0: thing of God. My heart will sing how I love you because of your name's sake. Because of your name. Because of what you have done. Because of who you are. And that you've poured out your spirit on us. Because you are love. And this is love that God first loved us, that we might receive love, that we might be in love, that we might be in love, in love with you first and foremost, so that I can sing with everything of God. My heart will sing. I can say everything. When I give you my heart, Lord, I'm saying I give you everything of me. All of who I am is yours. So as we move into a a different form of worship, remains worship nonetheless. So Father, I pray that, that our... Eyes are open, our ears are open in the Spirit, by your Spirit, to receive from you. And Lord, we ask simply in Jesus' name, the greatest name, the name above every other name, the name at which every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God our Father. So us for your glory. Amen. Thanks. Thanks, worship team. Because it's all a heart of worship. Thank you for those that are leading us in that. Thank you for everyone that has a part to play in bringing the service together. Thank you for your hearts to serve and to minister. And I was just thinking, you know, as we, we say, I love you, Lord. Lord. And, and he loves to hear that. He loves us to express that to him. And the beauty of it is that the outworking of that expression of my love to you, Lord, well, it's got to happen this way. It just must. And so that, those acts of service and ministering one to another is ministering to the body of Jesus Christ. It just has a completely different take on it when, when we realize I'm actually ministering to Jesus when I see Christ in each one. And I pray and I hope this morning that you're able to hear that the heart of what the Lord has just been speaking to me about and revealing in my heart and leading me on in a, in a greater depth and a greater journey with him about faith. Faith in everyday things of life. It, it struck me when I, I was reading Habakkuk and Habakkuk chapter two verse four, and and it it picked up on something that Sam had spoken about, um, and that these verses became uh, quite well known through a guy Martin Luther, and it spoke to a whole bunch of things that were were also came out of this. But what struck me in this was that he says, "You know, the Lord's speaking to us," and he says. But the righteous shall live by his faith. And then I saw the verses either side of it. And he talks about, behold. So if I I do it, this looks like I've memorized it. I'm actually reading off the back, all right? (laughs) It's a little secret. (laughs) If I'm going like this, it's because the glasses aren't in focus. (laughs) Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right. Within him, but it's a big but. The righteous will live by his faith. And what he was speaking to me, and you know, as we as you read on, you'll see the next verses goes on and talks about. Um, He is arrogant, he will never rest because of the greedy as as a grave. And it goes on, it's talking about the bit that comes in before, before the the proud one. So that ability to be humble and settle down and bow down before the Lord and now trust in what he has done that I will now have moments throughout my life interspersed with actions of faith. That's how I had interpreted scripture, (laughs) but that's not what he's saying. And he rested my heart. But the righteous will live by his faith. And not, you know, you can't live on my faith. I can't live on your faith. But the righteous will live by his, it's a gender neutral, his faith. So you have to receive that for yourself for you to live. It's a beautiful thing. Just want to recap on something that um, uh, Greg had been speaking in in Hebrews eleven, eleven one, and we're talking about faith, about this faith. And Hebrews, obviously, it's the um, yeah, put that up. It's sort of the go to chapter on faith, for obvious reasons. But one of these things that talks in Hebrews 1, it says, now faith is, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about we, what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commanded for. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. For by it the men of old gained approval. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. For those that are listening, that was uh, uh, three different versions the NIV, the NASB and the King James Version. And I just I just felt to put that up and because it's translated in different words, as you can see, and it has a sort of a different impact to sort of arrest your heart as you're grabbing hold of what it is that the Lord's communicating for us about what this, this faith is. And I, I, like, I like the, well, I like them all, actually, but just the wording in, in the NIV and the King James Version. Now, faith is the confidence, and i jump to the NIV, of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. So when we're talking about the faith, you know, the just shall live by his faith, then there becomes an evidence in the confidence that I have in that faith in the way I'm living my life. There will be evidence one way or another, it's going to be evidence of something. What he's wanting to form us and bring us as a body into maturity, into the full maturity of Christ. You know, Ephesians, we're talking about with the a fivefold ministry and the giftings that are given for the body to be built up into full maturity, that we have confidence in him that there's evidence of that life at work within us. And this is the heart of, of what I'm. I hope I can express and declare this morning. So this whole walk of life is just that. It's a walk through our life of faith. And I just want to quickly um, roll through the, the names that are listed in, in Hebrews here, in Hebrews 11, in chapter 4. It says, by faith, Abel bought a, a better offering than Cain did uh, to God. Through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous, God testifying about his gifts through faith. There was an evidence of the action that he and the conviction that he had within him. So there was evidence of his action now outworking. So there's a there's a, if, if there's one thing again that I, that I hope I can convey and that can be received this morning, it's it's about intimacy with God, and it's about um, the moments of faith activated interspersed with a life being lived by faith so here we have you know Abel who has gives testimony that he was righteous by an act that he participated in that was testimony or evidence of his life actually being outworked and lived by faith and they don't separate from each other um, verse 5 by faith Enoch was taken uh, from this life that he would not see death he was not found because God took him up uh, you know i 'd love to have some insight to Enoch how that actually was being played out one thing I do know he didn 't have this we well, 're blessed because we do have this but he didn't have this, not in a written form. I'd go so far as saying he he had this (laughs) because it then became evident through how he was walking out and how he was living his life and then it became evident. God took him. And verse six, without faith it's impossible to please God. Anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly or diligently seek him. All our actions, I, I remember speaking on this once before, and it talks about if it, you know, um, by faith it's impossible to please God, being that if it's not of faith, what is it? It's that this faith it talks about the power of God. If it's an action, it's a not the power of God because it's not being enacted out of faith and that the just will... Live by his faith. Not just these interspersed moments, but your whole life. When you wake up in the morning, you wake up in faith. When you go to sleep, you go to sleep in faith. That with confidence, you're going to wake up in the morning with faith. And with confidence, if you don't, you'll wake up in heaven, in the presence of the Lord, in faith. It actually didn't, nothing actually changed. Uh, Verse 7, this is a doozy. By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark for the salvation of his household by which he had condemned the world. He built an ark. Now for those who are biblical scholars, I'm going to say it was 100 years. (laughs) For those who can show me it's 120, please do, because I've heard it so often. But when I can scripture, I can only pick out 100 years. Went in at 500, came out at 600. (laughs) Well, it started at 500 and went into the ark at 600. But the point is, there's 100 years. 100 years. He didn't have placemakers. He didn't have Mitre 10. (laughs) He had to work it all out, had to chop the trees down, get down, you know, slice them all up. What, what happens out of, after five years when probably all you've done at this stage is lop down a couple of trees? You know, if they're these thousand-year-old trees, uh, 300 years old and who knows how, how, how wide or what the diameter of they are, they're probably going to take a little bit to chop down. Five years have gone by. You need to build an ark and you need to tell people that there's rain coming. You need to demonstrate it. Starting to look a little silly. What happens 10, 15 years, 30 years, still building this ark? Probably starting to take shape now. Got the the main rib and a few beams going in or something. But there's no rain yet. It's 30 years later, still living by faith on a word that was given to him 30 years previously. I think the man had amazing faith. 90 years. I don't think the Lord told him when the rain was going to come. <laughs> he didn't know at 90 years there's 10 years to go. I mean, could have been another 100 years, as far as he knew. But it's a life of faith. But he, he, he persevered. Persevered is not the right word. He continued in the assurance And the conviction which became evidence of how he was living out his life. Verse 8, by faith Abraham. Again, it's Abraham when he was first called. Abraham when he received the promise. There's something that was being demonstrated in Abraham that God saw that he's calling us for that same faith, for we'd have the same faith as Abraham. And God's stirring within him and calls him. So he goes to a place where he later receives an inheritance. He obeyed and went. Why? There must have been, there had to be, a a connection, an intimacy, a relationship between Abraham and God for him to actually let go of everything that he had the country that he was in, to get up and go to a new place by faith that God said he was going to give him. And here's a good one. In verse 11, by faith, even Sarah. What do we... Here's one of those rhetorical questions, right? You don't have to answer. (laughs) What do we see when we first hear the account of the faith of Abraham and Sarah when he's giving that account of having going to have a son. Sarah's response doesn't appear to be one of faith. She laughs. And yet, in Hebrews, she's recorded as one who has faith. So surely there was a change in her heart, and a resting in her heart, and a submitting, and like Habakkuk, not the proud, but that humbling to be able to receive that faith. So she's listed. All these people were living by faith when they died, looking to a city whose builder is not God. They could see something that was being built that's not something they're going to build. It's the same for us. By faith, Isaac. I'll quickly um, roll through these ones in verse 20. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob in regard to their future. Verse 22. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke of the Exodus, having not exited Egypt, was spoke of it, says, take my bones. By faith Moses, I love this one, by faith Moses' parents hid Moses, seeing something that was beautiful about him, beyond just a beautiful form and appearance, but a faith action to put him in an ark and put him out and trust that God would take care of what was going to happen So there was a conviction in their heart and evidence in their actions. And by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known, sorry, this is verse 24, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter in whose household he would have been brought up. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Again, it's just a beautiful example of a man First, who could see and sense something in his own heart and how much I find that I'm like this at times, that have this sort of sensing that God's doing something and I don't want to participate in this, but without a surrendered heart to him, out comes my flesh nature and I will make this happen. Hoping no one saw that, but it was done with zeal, maybe not actual righteousness, but with zeal for the house of God. Only for God to come in and say, well, remember Habakkuk 2 verse 4? It's 2 verse 4b. I'm going to have to deal with 2 verse (laughs) 4a. There's a proud man that needs to be humbled in order to receive what I'm going to give you. And it's going to have to be by faith. And I think that was an action that was identified as not the power of God it was the power of man by faith he left Egypt by faith he kept the Passover here's another one, verse 29 by faith remember there's a list of all the people that we say are commended through Hebrews as people of faith by faith the people passed through the Red Sea who, who are the people that passed through the Red Sea are they not the very same ones that we're warned about in Hebrews not to be like? So by faith, there was an action, a moment of action of faith that they did something based on what they had. And remember I was saying, a, a key to all of this is intimacy, intimacy with God. And so they took this action of faith And now God knew what he was wanting to do. It was one thing he told them in all the the miracles and all the things that he was doing in Egypt. And he said, I'm going to take you to a promised land. I'm going to lead you out. All these things are going to happen, da-da-da, and you're going to go to a land flowing with milk and honey. It is going to be so abundant, you will not be able to comprehend what I have for you. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. It's the same thing he's talking about for us. You won't comprehend it, not in your own mind, but by the Spirit, which is going to take faith so that with confidence you're now going to walk in the evidence of that, you know, that reality that you are walking in a land flowing with milk and honey right now. These are the same ones who then walk through the Red Sea and now God tests their heart he didn't say to them, I'm going to take you out of Egypt and I'm going to put you in a land flowing with milk and honey and I'm going to put you in front of an ocean and the, the Egyptians are coming to wipe you out. So you're going to be panicking and you think, well, what are we going to do? And then I'm going to put a cloud and fire and I'm going to open up the Red Sea and dry the land and you're going to be able to walk across it and then they'll come after you and they'll collapse and drown them. Then, after that, I'm going to take you a little bit further, three, four days maybe. It's going to be no water. It's going to be okay until you run out of water. Then you're going to go, well, listen, I'm dying of thirst. So now what do we do? And then I'm going to show you that I'm God Almighty. I've got this all mapped out and planned out beforehand. I'm going to take Moses. I'm going to get him to strike this massive rock. It's going to split in two, and water's going to burst out of it, and you're all going to be able to drink, maybe up to three million people. And let's give them two animals each—six million um, sheep or goats or whatever. So that's a lot of hungry people, thirsty people to feed. Okay, and then and then you got—he didn't tell them that. He's just going to take you from here to here. Interspersed along the way is going to be a life that's going to have to be lived by faith. That will be interspersed with actions of faith being expressed out. Thank you, Lord. That wasn't on my mind. <laughs> um, By faith, the walls of Jericho fell. Verse 30. That, that, is, that is so significant for me that those, the walls of Jericho, God spoke to me, are the walls of pride. If we want to enter into Habakkuk 2 uh, B, then 2 4 A has to be broken. And it's the walls of pride that must be broken down. And which part of breaking the walls down did the Israelites actually make happen themselves? I don't read them going up with jackhammers and dynamite to knock the walls down. I see by faith they walked around, once around, seven days, on the seventh day. What happens on the second time around? on the third time around, on the fourth time around, but on the seventh time, by faith, participated in the word of God that he delivered to them for them to be obedient, to receive with confidence and become an action that became evidence responding to his leading. From that, that was when entering into the promised land and receiving that, entering of the promise, coming into the promised land, takes this act of humility. Here I am, Lord. Speak what is true. What a powerful, beautiful song that is. And here I am, I can't come any other way, so I'm gonna bow my knee before you, smash down that pride and arrogance and in humility I receive in faith, who you have for me. The hope of glory now received in my heart that I might now live a life. Each step I take, I put my trust in you. If I could remember the rest of the song, I'd probably break into it now. (laughs) You know? Each step I take, it's an act of faith now that I'm going to actually end up confronting the different cities in this promised land, and God's just identified another one for me just recently in these last three weeks or so while I've, this has been speaking to me. It's another city. He gives opportunity for things to rise up. That city, I didn't tell you to take it. Why are you going to take that city? It's not going to work out well for you. Okay. Smash, bash, cream Alright, lift you up again. Come back. I need to minister to your heart, and I need you in a posture of humility, to hear from me. That city, yeah, we'll, we'll address it at a time, but right now I'm dealing with this in your heart, Paul. And so he he brought that to my mind. He revealed that to my heart as something, oh, okay. And I was joyful in seeing my response of my heart. First, hmm, hmm. Well that's not good. So what will I do? Father, what else can I do but surrender to you? So I'll now take these steps to go into what it is that I need to, to address. But I'm going in the absolute confidence and assurance of the rock, the solid rock. Always think of as rock. Yeah. You know? Stand against that and push as much as you like. You're never going to move it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right? And so I look, I see that it's a solid rock that is you, immovable, unshakable, will not budge from what is true, what is loving, what is righteous, and I'm founded on that, and I'm found on that. So Lord, I'll surrender to you now, I'll walk into the city, and lay siege to it, and capture that city, in this area, and see that you're found, and proved true in me. And that, for me, was another expression of walking in this face, there was no absolute miracle, I mean, you know, hundred angels didn't appear out of the sky or something but it was an intimacy with my father an intimacy of a dialogue with him that he showed something that was to be confronted and revealed his nature forming and formed within me by faith the prostitute Rahab, verse 31 because she welcomes spies again, an action, who would have thought as I was researching this, a lot of um, uh, scholars had tried to get around the fact that Rahab was a prostitute. It doesn't work so well for holy, righteous scripture. (laughs) But it works beautifully well for a holy, righteous God. You are never justified or, or determined who you are or the Lord spoke to me about you're not characterized poor by your action I know your actions already I've seen them the end from the beginning so I know those I call you this what I want to do is work in you so that those actions are transformed now and there's more there's Gideon Barak Samson and a guy whose name is so hard to pronounce, David, Samuel, prophets. But I just want to come back to Hebrews 1, 3. Who's in this one? By faith, we understand that the world's were prepared by the word of God. Do you know that can include you? Do you know you're in Scripture? If you believe that the world were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. It's an act of faith. <laughs> so you can put yourself in scripture and read that as true for you. I just I wanna just take a moment just to um, to ask Mel to, to come forward and share. She, Mel's got a beautiful testimony. This is a little interspersed of the, the message with a tale of two testimonies. So it's a living testimony um, of an expression of faith that is a, a, a life being lived and with an action.
1: Morning, everyone. Um... I'm just going to share briefly, Um, it was about six years ago that um, Kirk and I were playing a bit of basketball uh, with the youth and some of the youth leaders, and um, in true style, I tripped over Mitch's feet, does anyone know Mitch, Mitch the machine, anyway, uh, he's somewhere here, but it it was um, Mel's style, uh, falling over the place, and anyway, I totally face planted the ground. Um, and in true Mitch style, being sweet and probably used to ladies falling at his feet, he <laughs> put his put his arm out and you know said, you know, can, can I help you up? And I, I put my arm out and it was at that point I realized, ow, <laughs> like something's happened, ow. Um, so uh, the night went on and it was a night service and uh, Kirk and I came along and. And it was during winter, so it sort of layers on, and I didn't think to check it. I just thought, oh, it's a bit sore, but I'll I'll just keep it elevated. Anyway, it wasn't um, too long until we're at my parents' place and and Kirk said, oh, let's just have a look at your arm. And I stripped down, and and anyway, the the elbow was blue and completely swollen and just didn't look good. And he was like, right, we need to go to after hours. We were there until 2 a.m. in the morning. Finally, I was seen. Uh, The doctor looked at it, he x-rayed it, and he said, oh, you've um, fractured your elbow, you've cracked it. And I thought, oh, gutted, you know? And um, he said, look, you need to come back in the morning and we want to put a cast on it. The thing is, in a few hours, we were about to fly out to Auckland uh, with our rock family, a a few of us, to go to a conference. Um, And so pretty much Kirk and I just said, no. (laughs) We're not coming back, and I'm not getting a cast. Uh, we've, we've got somewhere we need to be. It was a priority for us to be there. Um, and we, we knew we were going to be entering into um, an atmosphere of, of faith with other believers, um, That we, coming into an environment of st- a state of um, possibilities where anything is possible. And so it was sort of like, well, he could heal the arm. He could do it. I'm not going to stick around to get a cast. So um, the doctor said, fine, uh, we'll see you next Monday. I went, okay. Anyway, off to Auckland we went. It was a wonderful time um, just being together as as believers and, um, of course, having a, a fractured arm that was in a sling, just to keep it elevated. I was a target for healing, <laughs> um, <laughs> which was cool. Um, but it was the last night that um, two... To, to, Two people just said, hey, can we lay hands and, and, and pray? And I said, of course. Um, they laid hands, and I remember just the, the warmth of the Lord. It was the, the warmth of his presence just came upon me, and I, I could feel the heat coming into my arm as they prayed, my right arm. Um, and uh, they said, all right, does anything feel different? I said, yep, there's a bit of warmth. And so I extended my arm, and I, I could not do that and I could fully extend it, and I was like, whoa. And then I and then I was doing this, and my arm was completely healed and completely pain-free. It was incredible. But, you know, it was in that moment that I realized, it, it and I look back on as, as an, a mark in my journey with the Lord, that faith is a substance of things hoped for. He's a, he says he is the invisible God, but he wants us to hope in him that he can show us the evidence of what it looks like to trust him, that he manifests himself as healer. It wasn't about the healing, it was him showing himself to me as healer. And so no longer is it just a scriptural words that I know, but it's like, no, I know him as healer. I possess that. Um, So that was amazing. We came home and uh, the the following Monday, I thought this is going to be interesting Went to go see the doctor. Um, he said, how's everything going? And I said, look, it's, it's good. I've been, I've been healed. Okay, let's have an x-ray. X-rayed me and then I'll never forget this. He called me back into the office and um, he said, um, he looked at the x-rays and he said, now, are you sure they x-rayed the right arm? <laughs> and I was like, I am certain. And he was absolutely speechless and he said, I don't really know what to say. Um, you probably need to go to physio, uh, probably doing the right thing. And uh, I went for half a physio session after that, and the lady was like, just go home. Like, you don't need to be here. Um, so just incredible. But um, incredible timing again. Just a few weeks ago, the, um, the Lord was speaking to me. It was about the Feast of Trumpets, which, which was a few weeks ago. And in Leviticus says, you know, take a day to rest and remember the Lord. And that same week, I was walking and um, in, in the pram, pushing me a bella. And I decided to clear out the pocket of the pram. And in it was the, this was just a few weeks ago. And remember, this happened six years ago. There was um, the appointment docket for that Monday to go get my arm knocked at. And <laughs> it was like the Lord was, remember me. And, and faith, you know, these acts, like Paul says, it, this is six years later, but it's living out in faith, and it's him going, remember me. This is what brings us rest as believers, is to go, the Lord did this in my life. The Lord has done this. He is faithful throughout. Um, so it was incredible that Paul asked me to share that story because it's like the Lord absolutely brought it to the surface again and said, remember me. So there we go.
0: No, it's cool how how the Lord works. I, I had no idea about that. I just, I knew about the broken arm. Um, but it was about the same time as the Lord was stirring this up and said, ask Mel to speak about the broken arm. So he, he, he sort of pulls this together. There's another uh, testimony. This is the second testimony. So um, it's just a video clip and it's from Amanda Smith. She comes here, but she's not able to be here today. Now, there are, the reason for the two, because one is not better than the other, but it's a life being lived by faith that is interspersed with actions and moments of faith. Often in the faith, we look to the miraculous things like that and um, you know, raise somebody from the dead or whatever, and, but neglect some of the, um, the, well, I'll say it this way. It's like having a posture of faith and some of the casual aspects of faith without faith being casual is being familiar without familiarity reading contempt is being familiar because I know I'm familiar I'm familiar with my father's love I know him and I know his heart I know his hand I know when he speaks and I know when he touches me so we'll just play this video clip
2: Hi family for those of you who don't know me, my name is Amanda. Uh, Paul asked me to share a testimony um, about faith and for me, the area that God has been highlighting is my workplace, which has been a wonderful journey and a real eye-opener as to how my faith can, be, um, can come alive in an area maybe I had never seen before. Um, so I'm an interior designer, which is typically known as being a very superficial and appearance-based uh, industry and for a long time I'd been seeking God as to what his ideas look like in my industry. So last May I went out on my own in business and it was a bit of a leap of faith at that point point. and I've always looked to um, let God direct, uh, seek his leading on work coming in and just what the framework of my business looks like, the why of what I'm doing And uh, to grow my faith in that area is something he's been wanting to do. So um, I just have learned through reading recently in the book of Exodus that God has ideas about everything. Every single thing he has ideas about. And he's so specific in his ideas. The forming of the tabernacle, you know, was so specific and intentional. The forming of the body of Christ through the fivefold is so specific and intentional. And he is not a God of flippant ideas. He is a God of absolute direction. So how that plays out in my work life lately is that um, I had a certain job that came to me uh, through another colleague and we thought it was all going ahead. And then for one reason or another, uh, it kind of fell over and looked like the clients were going to go elsewhere. So I felt quite peaceful about that. I didn't feel the need to strive or fight for the job. I just prayed about it and just left it with God and was happy that that job had gone by the by. Um, Within a week later though, I had a dream in the night and in this dream. So just to give context, the uh, design job was to start with was a kitchen. That's what I do a lot of is kitchen design. And in the dream, I saw this client's kitchen um, finished and I was standing in the kitchen. I saw the most beautiful island uh, with marble and and brass finishes and uh, it was just fully formed in my mind. And when I woke, I just had a sense that that was a God inspired dream. And so I took a leap of faith and uh, I felt as in obedience. I emailed my colleague and said, look, I think we should approach these clients and just ask if we can design the island Uh, as a standalone piece. I've had a dream. I know what it should look like. And what do you think? And it's just to let you know, it's very unusual to do that. You just would never really go to a client and ask for half the job, if that makes sense. So, but I did, I emailed and what followed was a set of um, circumstances that played out before me where um, my faith got to grow and see God's uh, faithfulness and um, in obedience, I saw him open some doors that we thought had firmly shut and um, before I presented my idea to the clients, they agreed to they agreed to see my idea and um, I prayed and fasted about it. I just really felt to keep seeking God on what the next step looked like and to really involve him in that whole process and not grab the idea and run off on my own, you know which I had probably done in the past. Uh, you can when you have a skill set sometimes you can use that skill set in the way you think is best but actually it's god given and he has ideas about how to use that skill set so this time i sat with him and let him lead and through submission um, let him feed me the ideas that he had in mind uh, so to cut a long story short really i presented the idea um i had real fixed ideas about what i wanted to present i was very almost stubborn about it um and when I showed the clients, they um, they were quite stunned by by the, the design and the, the materials I had chosen, which uh, sat very well with them. And also um, they just said the reason they had moved towards a different, I guess, idea of what they wanted for their kitchen was they hadn't seen anything they liked yet. And then when they saw the design that God conceived and handed to me to give to them, they were very much on board and gave me the whole job. And then also gave me other work as well within that, um, within their house, so their renovation. So I just felt, I feel like I floated out of that meeting, like I had seen a touch of heaven and uh, God had allowed me to partner with him and shown me what he's capable of. And I just feel like that's another area of my life where faith has been, um, has come in and exploded in a really beautiful way. And so I look forward to seeing what else he wants to do. In that area and in other areas, obviously. Yeah. Thanks.
0: Thanks, Amanda. The you know I've got heaps, heaps in here, but I'm just just sensing that you know that pretty much this is the essence of it. Yeah, you know, I, I I loved Amanda's um, reality of. Recognizing she had a dream, uh, connecting with Father, and going, Well, actually, I'm going to take a step of faith in this. Now, th- to me, this is faith in the everyday life. I'm experiencing it more and more at the office, but part of, part of my role at the office is uh, as an investigator. If anybody's committed a plumbing crime out there, <laughs> I'm on your case, right? I I don't get a badge or a gun, (laughs) (laughs) apart from these. (laughs) 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 But, you know, it's when I'm writing reports, I have to carry out the investigation, find out who's who's telling the truth out of all the porkies people tell you, (laughs) and, and try and sift through this. But I'm very conscious in the decision. There's a lot of power that's given over to the investigator, because the, the investigator gets to make a determination. The determination is usually black or, black or white. It's either there is a case to answer, or there isn't. If there isn't, well, usually, well, okay, um, nice meeting, have a nice life. If there is, you're going to appear before a district court judge, or you're going to appear before uh, as a disciplinary hearing before the board that acts as a court. And so that the decision I'm about to make um, tremendously affects that person and their family. So sometimes I just feel the weight of that while I'm sitting there reading that and have to sort of dissociate from all the personalities involved and just deal with the facts and try and filter out all the other stuff and find out what what are the facts as best as, as I can get it. As a bit of a joke at the, in the office because um, that when I've got getting to this point of having to make decision, I, I, I do all the interviews and write everything down. Then I summarise all of that to, as to what my findings are. And now my determination is that. That is usually where it's wrestling in my mind, what have I said? <laughs> A new staff member sitting behind me sort of turned behind <laughs> and thought, uh, what was that? <laughs> Sorry, it was just me thinking. It's what, not what you thought it was. <laughs> but you know, that, that when I'm writing this the reports, I find myself more and more now, Lord, how am I going to say this? What do I say? How do I find about this person? I know this person is telling me lies. How do I find the truth? Then I wait and I'll be writing or trusting or just researching, oh, there's a lead. And this, to me, becomes this faith, this being lived out in the everyday aspect of life. As Amanda was sharing, and I love that next step she took. I fasted and prayed, inviting God into this. There wasn't people's legs growing back. There wasn't, you know, 800 people in Papua New Guinea got saved. This is about her everyday life, built on a growing intimacy with her Heavenly Father. That says, You are interested in me. You designed the tabernacle and you got artisans involved who were gifted. Who knows? There may even be a plumber there. You know? <laughs> you know? Some, somebody who was skilled and gifted, who'd already had a heart surrendered to God, knew that when they were putting the, the pipes in your house, it's not for you. Clearly it's for you, it's for your house, but it's as unto the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I'll do it for you, Lord, the best way I can, because I'm living by faith in that come moments that then become out of intimacy interspersed with the miraculous acts of faith because it's a life being lived by faith. So Father, I pray, I pray that the heart of what you're sharing and what you're speaking is this intimacy with you. I haven't touched on it in this morning's message what you were leading me to and this was the walk with Adam and Eve through the garden that was just as much a walk of faith for them as it is for us. Father, that you gave them every tree to eat from but the one to leave alone. And so each tree, everything that they participated in was to be an act of faith, of gaining knowledge, gaining experience from the fruit of that tree. The steps and actions that we take in our life to partake of the different trees of experiences throughout our life are done in faith with intimacy with you because you will declare what is good and what is righteous and what is evil. And it's interpreted and filtered through you not through self. So Father, I pray for this, this intimacy, for us all to have a deeper intimacy that comes through a, a humble heart, surrendered to you, and to ha- be those who live as those who are righteous and just that live by his or her faith. Father, I just commit this living word to you in your son's precious name. Amen. Oh, look at that. Five minutes before the end of school. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Look, If if there's anyone would like to have, have prayer, it's fine. Yes or no. Please just come and let us know or any of the elders. Otherwise, have an awesome day and we'll see you all again in discipleship groups and a great crowd on Wednesday morning. Amen.